This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, was a radio drama about a fabulous freelance insurance investigator with the action-packed expenses count. The show aired on CBS Radio from January 14th of 1949 to September 30th of 62. There were 811 episodes in the 12-year run, and more than 720 still exist today. Each story started with a phone call from an insurance executive calling on Johnny to investigate an unusual claim. Now, each story required Johnny to travel to some distant locale, usually within the United States, but sometimes abroad, where he was almost always threatened with personal danger in the course of his investigations. Each story was recounted in flashback, as Johnny listed each line item from his expense account. And most of the items related to transportation and lodging, but no incidental expense was too small for him to itemize, such as in item 9, 10 cents, aspirin, I needed them. Johnny's precious recreational time was usually spent fishing, and it was not uncommon for Johnny's clients to exploit this favorite pastime in convincing him to take a job. The episodes generally finish with Johnny tallying up his account, making final remarks in the report, and then traveling back to Hartford, Connecticut, where he was based. Tonight, Johnny's trip takes him out of the U.S. to Haiti, where his client is convinced that policyholders are being struck down by voodoo. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Dr. Colby calling back, Johnny. Oh, yeah, Frank. How am I? Oh, you've fallen behind. You'll need boosters for diphtheria and smallpox, typhoid, cholera. And if we can find room, why, we'll bring you up to date on your tetanus. Oh. Well, where do I get them? I have it all right here in the office. Or I can stop by on my way home. Well, that's not what I mean, Frank. It takes a long time to get to Haiti. And those plane seats aren't very comfortable at best. Edmund O'Brien, in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office America Federated Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Harvard Huntington, General Manager. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my assignment in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Expense account item one, $15 for a pair of tickets to Detective Story at the Hudson Theater, New York, which I never got a chance to use since I was seated in the library of your Hartford home promptly at curtain time. Dollar, I want to thank you for coming out here. Sorry to break into an evening like this, but since I have, I'll get right to the point. 
Uh, perhaps you've heard of the Gordon family here in Hartford. Well, what I see of the society page is what I'm flipping back to the sports section. But I've noticed the name. Diamond studded, aren't they? Immensely wealthy. Pillars of society. And surprisingly, quite a proper family. Uh, that is all but one of the sons, Ralph. Heavy drinker. Complete wasteful. Ne'er do well. Oh, a blot on the old escutcheon. Eh? Yes, continually getting into one scrape or another. Now he's done it again. I take it that you're not worried about Ralph the man, but about Ralph the policyholder, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> well, to put it bluntly, yes. I don't think it's unethical for a company to protect its interests. In this case, the policy is in the amount of $150,000. Quite a piece of paper. Yes. And to be quite candid, I rue the day it was issued. But the point is this. Ralph Gordon, at last report, is dying. Aboard his yacht at Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Then you don't need me. You need the Mayo Clinic. Uh, Dollar, I hesitate to even mention this in the presence of a sane man. But from everything we can learn, young Gordon is not dying from any known malady. He's dying as a result... Oh, it's pure nonsense. He's supposed to be dying as the result of voodoo curse. Now, anybody with any sense... All right, all right, wait a minute. Where'd you get your information? Uh, From his older brother, Thomas. He's a doctor. He's down there in Haiti with Ralph. Now, I want you to go down and debunk this thing, Dollar. Find out what's wrong. Why, any sane man knows there's no such voodoo. You don't believe in it, do you? No. No, not unless I see it working. Expense account item two, $148.70, Hartford to Port-au-Prince via airplane. Expense account item three, $32.50, tropical clothes. And item four, 25 bucks spent while I browsed the waterfront bars in Port-au-Prince, looking for somebody who knew where the Gordon yacht was moored. When I found him, he not only knew that, he knew everything. Hey, don't matter what, what you want to know about this blasted island, ask me first. My name is Cap Regan, and I've been here since before repeal. Give up my citizenship, I did, with the help of a couple of prohibition agents. <laughs> and I figure on sailing out my final days right here. Yeah, what do you want with the Gordon Craft? I want to see the owner, Ralph Gordon. How do I get to him? I reckon you pay me to row you out to her. My dinghy's down to the foot of the pier, just a short hail from where we're at. Well, good. Come on, let's shove off. Just sweet lie down my ration here. Put me in ship shape. Yeah, what do you say you wanted with that schooner? Yeah, figuring on buying her? Well, thank you for the compliment. If I bought a boat today, it'd have to be a surplus life raft. I told you, I want to talk to Gordon. A friendly visit to all the other kind. Uh-huh. I'm beginning to see how you know so much about this island. Well, never question, never learn. Remember that, Sonny. And this way, we've got off to starboard. Yes, sir. Never question, never learn. Look, I'm an insurance investigator. A company sent me down here to look things over, including Gordon. Something wrong? I don't know yet. What do you know about him? A jug full, sonny, a jug full. Stood into the harbor about two months back. No sooner dropped his hook than his crew started taking the pier head leap. Everybody jumped for the bosun for reasons of his own. What was the matter with Gordon? He was off seas over all the time. And you navigate with sextant, a compass, and parallel ruler, Sonny, not with a double shot and a water chaser. Get the drift. They were afraid to sail with him? Oh, that's a line of it. 
You could ever pile into a reef, you feel the same. Oh, yeah, here we are. Oh, there's my dinghy down at the bottom of the ladder. And there's Gordon's yacht out there, you see? The tug is passing astern of her now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of boat. Yeah, she carries a suit of sail like a grind clipper. Oh, why don't you see her close up? <laughs> She's dirty as a garbage scow. Give her a hail now, Sonny. We're close enough. Hey! Anybody aboard? Hey, aboard the yacht. Anyone home? Yes? What do you want? If the ship was dirty, I didn't notice. It may have had good lines, too, but it couldn't have touched what stood still at the rail, wearing clam diggers, an off-the-shoulder T-shirt, and a Caribbean tan. There's a trim for you. That'll be his wife. Can I come aboard? Who are you? What do you want? I'm Johnny Dollar from Hartford. I want to talk to Ralph. Oh. Why, yes, sir. I guess you'll have to come aboard. Yeah. Oh, swing the stern into the ladder. There you be. We're steady now. Okay, Cap. You wait for me, huh? Well, how are things in Ralphie's old hometown? Cool. Not as cool as this, uh, this reception. Don't let it throw you. What is this, a friendly drop-in business or just plain snooping? It's the last I met Weena, the wife they haven't heard about at home. Congratulations. Now I know why you like to wear your shoulders bare. The better to keep a chip on them. You're through being sharp. I'll let you hear what's left of my husband. Come on, through here. Hey, Ralph. You got a visitor from Hartford. Get away from this cabin. You gold digging little chiseler. You, you take your visitor with you. Well, there you are, chum. He's got the door locked. It'll stay that way till he runs out of wine. You heard enough? Yes, enough to know how you acquired your charming attitude. Forget it. I walked into it with my eyes wide open. Let's get back out on deck. The light's better for throwing barbs at each other. Sure. Sounds like fun. Well, do I have to help you off the boat? Not until you help me by answering some questions. I'm an insurance investigator. I was sent down here by the company that holds a policy on your husband's life. What should I do? Faint? The story they got was that Ralph was dying from some kind of a voodoo curse. They don't believe it, neither do I. Why not? It might be true. Hmm? Oh, some old guy, they call him Papa Luau, came out to the boat. He yelled some things at Ralph, and when Ralphie threw a bottle at him, he swore he'd put a curse on him. Hey, how did they hear about it back in Hartford? Ralph's brother, Dr. Thomas Gordon, told them. You know him? Yeah, we hate each other. I wonder why he'd tell them. Maybe because he thought somebody who'd be better off with Ralph dead was using Papa Luau's curse as a cover-up. How would you stand as his widow? Get off this boat. Get off. What's the trouble, Eddie? Oh, Em. Yeah, come here, William. Who's the boarding party? Just get him off, Em. Sure, honey. Well, mate, do you walk in or dive? Save your strength for the last scene, Goliath. I was just leaving. <laughs> Expense account item five, $3 paid to Cap Regan as water taxi fare. 
Item six, 80 cents, land taxi fare to Hotel Francois. And up at the hills hangout for not only the best in tourists, but also Brother Thomas Gordon, M.D. Please make yourself comfortable. Could I offer you something? Nothing but some brotherly advice. Certainly. I feel like a stupid fool for not being able to handle this thing myself. So now that you're here, call on me for anything. First, have you seen Ralph? I tried to, but he locked himself in his cabin. Uh, tell me, as a medical man, how do you digest this voodoo curse story? Why, it's ridiculous. Good heavens, this is the 20th century. I do think that science doesn't know everything it would like to know. Voodoo, black magic. There are stories, supposedly true, but any victim would have to have a highly susceptible mind. And I know my brother, Mr. Dollar. His mind is susceptible only to his own whims and fancies. Then what's the matter with him? That's it, I don't know. He's drawn within himself and seems to be searching almost insanely for escape through alcohol. Hasn't anybody thought of putting him on the wagon? It's a horrible idea, but it works. I don't think this is the time for it. He's suffering mentally and needs release. And that leaves us only one thing to think about, and no matter how thin you cut it, it's still voodoo. I'm a man of science, Mr. Dollar. I'd make hypocrisy out of all my knowledge and training if I attacked the problem from that direction. But uh, please let me know what you find. Expense account item seven, four dollars, rental of horse and cart, in which my walking tourist guide, Cap Riggan, and I jolted out of town in search of Papa Loire. Something made me feel like I was riding my last mile in a tumbrel en route to the guillotine. The moonlight was fighting a losing battle against an army of storm clouds that was sweeping in. And then to make it worse, I heard a drum. Hear that, Sonny? Yeah, sort of a tired Gene Cooper. Means we're getting close to Papa's quarters. Is he the only one around here? Yep, none of that good Elgin's performs in his territory. <laughs> He's too mean. Oh, great. And that ain't no galley news, it's the truth. I tell you, there's lots of black magic, as so-called. It's nothing but tourist bait. But Papa, he's a genuine article. Let me tell you about one fella he loaded a curse onto. He was a knight in him before he got through with it. Cap, Cap, please. You keep your mind on your driving, and I'll keep mine on pleasant memories. Well, I ain't got no more driving to think about. What's the matter? That's the path over there by that gnarled old tree. From here on, you plot your own course. This is close enough for me. Me too. Say, wait a minute. How do I know I can't put a curse on him, huh? I never tried. Smooth silence, Sonny. The path led along the edge of a field of sugar cane, and on the other side of me was a solid wall of jungle. First I smelled some feathers burning. Then I heard the chant. There was a door in the wall of jungle that led to a small clearing, and before the moon was smothered by another cloud, I saw a shack. Smoke curled out through an open door and I could see the glow of a fire on the floor inside. Hey, Papa! I want to talk to you. Who is come to the house of Papa Well, my name wouldn't mean anything to you, but what I have to say will. Can I come in? On three. What are these words of so great importance as you wish to interrupt, Papa All I know about voodoo is that I don't believe it. Legba. Legba. I've come to you because I haven't got any answers from anybody else. 
I want to know what's behind this so-called curse you put on Ralph Gordon. You not believe. You like me make you believe. Ralph Gordon, he died tonight in the wind and rain. And for you, I have magic now. See my fire. You will believe the smoke. Now, believe. <coughs> <coughs> I couldn't see what he'd thrown onto the fire. He'd reached behind him for it. But when the smoke from it whirled around me, it seemed to grab my throat and squeeze. I stumbled back through the door. I hadn't believed in voodoo when I'd come in. But going out, I wasn't so sure. We will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. CBS invites you to hear one of the greatest ad-libbers in show business, Groucho Marx, this Wednesday night on most of these same CBS stations. Groucho's show, You Bet Your Life, finds the master throwing quips and questions at oddly assorted pairs of contestants. And it's one of the funniest, fastest, merriest shows on the air. Be listening when Groucho Marx comes along this Wednesday on CBS. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. My throat burned. I staggered around in the heavy jungle air. When I could breathe again, I gulped in enough to lift the graph Zeppelin. When I got back into the shack, he was gone. He hadn't left much of what he'd smoked me out with, but he'd left enough. A few shreds of photographic film on the dirt floor. And film made of cellulose and nitrates not only takes pictures, it puts out nitric oxide and nitrogen dioxide when it's burned. A combination that would live up to the demands of any gas chamber. <laughs> We headed back to the yacht, and this time, I boarded without a hail. I'm telling you, when we can't go on with this. Well, this cops, you having to change your heart. Well, that's what happened. I'm not so sure that makes any difference. Maybe you're in too deep to back out. How would you like it if I spilled the whole thing? Oh, what difference does it make? It'd be better than landing at a Haitian prison with your motive showing. Then get over, Angel. I'll be in my sack when you make up your mind. Damn how wrong you can be. See you later, huh? What are you doing on this ship? Get off. Oh, no. Not after that intriguing conversation I just heard. How much did you hear? If I added it to the gas assault, Papa Luau threw at me. It'd be enough to nail you and Loverboy here for conspiracy to commit murder. I don't know what you're talking the about. The point is, I know what you two were talking about. Listen to me. You've got to believe me. I don't have to betray me anyway. I I admit that Em and I, well, I did get involved with him. It was because Ralph turned into another man after we were married. This probably marks the first time in history that an icicle melted in Port-au-Prince. Please, let me finish. When my marriage went to pieces, I had to do something or go crazy. To see Ralph drinking up all the champagne on the island was just more than I could take. I was going to divorce him and leave with Em, but, but we weren't going to murder him. 
You know, chapter one has so many holes in it, it could have been printed by a punch press. You don't worry about landing in prison with your motive showing when all your planning is, is divorce. You do when people are waiting for your husband to die under mysterious circumstances. That's why I was trying to make him go away. If Ralph died, who would look any farther than the erring wife? Unless Em was hiding something. <coughs> Can you lock this cabin from the outside? Yes. What are you going to do? You aren't going to lock me in here. No, just your playmate. You're coming with me. Where? To Papa Loaz. I want to hear what kind of a story you tell in front of him. You, you don't believe me? No. With 150000 at stake, I don't even believe myself. There's a shack. You go in first. May not be heroic, but it's the best way I can think of to catch his reaction when he sees it. Come on, go ahead. Go on in. Voices come to Papua's door. Who are you, woman? Well, Mr. Dollar, are you satisfied? Not quite. And you did not believe why you are here. You wish again to see the power of my smoke? Let's just drop the act, Papa. I know what you threw in the fire. What's my book or smoke? You not yet believe. A good man from a police laboratory can sift enough out of those ashes to know it was filmed. What is this you say? I say that I've got enough on you, you old fake, to put you in the local pokey. Who oh, dare speak this to Papua? And that's where you're going to go if you don't cooperate. Now, that's a promise. What is it you want? Did somebody put you up to this curse business that Ralph Gordon is supposed to be under? A man of your race. Now go. That is all. It's not enough. What was his name? I not know the name. What did he look like then? My eyes were closed. And that's... Come on. I'm taking you into town and I have to drag you by the hair. No, no. Don't touch me. I will tell you how this is. It is true. I do not know the name or the face. He come to me. He ask me when comes next to rain and wind. I tell him last night. But it's tonight. The storm come with the seat. He tell me he needs storm to close portals in the ship. He say, if I bring this curse, I will be best to gun on eighty because it kill what man. That is difficult. That is all. Now you go. How about the film for the fire? Did he give it to you? That is true. Not long before you come. Well, get rid of it, Papa, before you lose your license to operate. You go now. Papa will be alone. Go now. All right, Mrs. Gordon, all right. Let's not stay for the music. Could you make head or tail of what he said? What goes into your husband's cabin? Nothing but food and wine. Mostly wine. Who fixes his meals? I do. Our cook left us. Yeah? Where does the wine come from? You said it was champagne, didn't you? Yes. It always comes from the same place, a liquor shop in town, a case at a time. (laughs) Nothing makes any sense. What are you going to do? All I can do. Try every angle. That's not all I'm going to try in that liquor shop. (laughs) 
Spends account item 8, 450, two quarts of rum, the purchase of which helped loosen the tongue of the proprietor who had been supplying Ralph Gordon's champagne. And the words that poured out weren't exactly intoxicating, but they sent me staggering to the nearest phone. Yes, hello. Dr. Gordon, this is Dollar. Good heavens, Dollar. I've been wondering about you. What have you learned? Well, first tell me this. What would happen to a man if he was in a ship's cabin on a stormy night with all the portholes closed and there was a lot of dry ice in there with him? What? What was that? A small room, no ventilation, a lot of dry ice. A lush maybe passed out. What would happen? Good Lord. Dry ice is solidified carbon dioxide. If enough of it evaporated into the room... The lush would not be bothered by a hangover the next morning because he wouldn't wake up, right? Exactly. The gas, although not toxic, would force the oxygen from the atmosphere and the result would be asphyxia. What are you getting at, Dollar? Well, that curse your brother is suffering from is very scientific. The champagne he's been getting has been chilled by dry ice, about five pounds per case. One went out just before the storm broke. Good Lord. Uh, it may be just coincidence, but Ralph's wife and that bosun... Yeah, I know. For a bosun, he'd make a very good chemist. They sent for a pull motor. If it's too late for your brother, maybe I can use it. Hey, cat, cat, come on, come on, will you? Over a horse, honey. Set up around, George, for my shipmate and me. This is rum weather, sonny. Never mind around, <laughs> Cap. you got to row me out of that yacht again. What? In this weather? I wouldn't ask old Neptune himself to set out on a night like this. Come on, come on, Cap. I'm in a hurry. Here, here's 20 bucks. I want time off the horner. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> I didn't think it could rain any harder than it had been, but it did. Visibility was zero. But about 20 minutes out, Cap spotted her riding lights. There she lies, sonny. We were on target, but so was somebody else. A searchlight stabbed out at us. Hey, this sounds like Prohibition days. Who's giving us the broadside? I can't tell. I'll lay a pelican hook over his head if I get my hands on him. Oh, Cap! Uh, I got my left leg. Get down the bottom, Cap. I'm going over the side. There was nothing to do but swim, so I swam. I tried to remember how many shots had been fired, and that's where I made my mistake. There was a lull in the shooting, which I took to mean that the gun was empty, so I thrashed my way to the ladder. But when I got there, the first thing I saw after I'd shaken the water out of my eyes was the muzzle of a rifle. The face looking down the barrel at me belonged to brother Thomas Gordon, M.D. Sorry, Dollar. Killing you wasn't in my plan. But now it'll have to be done. I was waiting for a bullet to come my way, but instead the doctor did. Are you all right, Dollar? I'll thank you later for spoiling his aim. Forget it. That's me, big-hearted M. Say, get a boat hook on the doctor. He's our prize fish. Don't let him get away. I grabbed a fire axe out of its case on my way to Ralph Gordon's cabin. If it needed ventilating, I knew one quick way to do it. I didn't check for oxygen. I took a deep breath, held it, and went in. The cabin was littered with wine bottles, and in one corner, in an open case, was the dry ice that was in the process of cooling Gordon off for good. He was stretched out on his bunk. 
I hefted him to my shoulder and used the last of my breath getting him out of there. What's the matter with him? Come on, help me to get him stretched out. Right. Come on, give me a hand, will you? Yeah. Maybe we can save a policyholder. All right. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One. Expense account item nine, thirty dollars cover charge at a hospital where I put the revived Gordon under the care of a doctor, not his brother. His brother happened to be resting in a jail cell at the time, waiting the formal charge of attempted murder. Motive, the family fortune. Item 10, same as item 9. Same hospital where they patched up Cap Regan. Item 11, $40. An ounce of voodoo perfume for the lovely but sometimes chilly Edwina. Maybe if she tries that kind of magic on her husband, he'll spend less time with the bottle joy and more with her kind. An expense account item 12, $148.70. Return trip to Hartford. Expense account total... $424.70. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Columbia picture, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Earl Lee, Willard Waterman, Ted DeCorsia, Charlotte Lawrence, Lou Krugman, Byron Kane, Dick Ryan, and Clayton Post. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. There'll be a bright new show on CBS this Wednesday night. It's called The ABCs of Music, and the star is Robert Q. Lewis with Ralph Flanagan's Orchestra. You'll find Robert Q. and Ralph Flanagan taking over while Bing Crosby is on vacation. So join them on most of these same CBS stations this Wednesday for The ABCs of Music. Beginning next week, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, will be heard at this same time on Thursday nights. Thursday nights for Johnny Dollar. Stay tuned for The Shadow next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. 
Now, let's go back to 1938, when the Nazis overseas were getting ready to begin World War II, and on this side of the ocean, radio listeners were being frightened by a voice known as the Shadow. The episode is entitled Black Rock. presents The Shadow. These half-hour dramatizations are designed to forcibly demonstrate to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the unseen voice belongs. The only one who knows the true identity of that master of other people's minds, the shadow. Today's story, Black Rock. Nice work, Martin. 
throw him out of the plane. Thank you. Ah, all right. Now let's get out of here. So you cleaned out your company, eh, Brigitte? Robbed your poor, dear, trusting stockholders. You're not supposed to know about this, Ward. Oh, no. Not even the two million you got salted in that suitcase. You were hired to pilot this plane, and that's all. So get the plane off the ground. Okay. As long as I get my cut. Don't worry, Ward. You'll get yours. rolling in thicker every minute. Aye. Right. What do you expect on the Grand Banks, mate? Hey, where do you reckon our position? About 200 miles due east of Cape Race, Captain. Breakage off the port bow, Captain! Breakage off the port bow! Breakage off the port bow? I cut the engine, mate. Aye, sir. What do you make it, lookout? She's all How long has he been hiding here? 
about a week, I believe. Mr. Cranston. Hello, Harvey. Uh, come in, please. Thank you. This is Miss Lake, Mr. Hart. How do you do? How do you do? I'm so glad you could come here, Mr. Cranston. I hope I can be of service. Well, that's a pretty forlorn hope, I guess. What with Burkett, presumably, at the bottom of the sea. Presumably, Mr. Harvey? Yes. You see, I can't make myself believe that he's dead. I'm inclined to agree with you on that. You are? Why, Lamont? Well, for one thing, Margot, their bodies were never found. Lamont, I don't like to be stubborn, but the Atlantic is a mighty big pond. Yes. But I also know that when Burkett planned his getaway, he wouldn't have figured on flying across the ocean in a plane with a cruising range of only 600 miles. They were flying to Canada and got off their course. Yes, that's true. No, Harvey. Ward, although crooked, was an excellent pilot. He was an expert navigator. He knew blind flying. Then, since you think they're alive, how did their plane crash 200 miles at sea? Fly itself? Fly itself? Marga, you've given me an idea. It's the only thing I haven't been able to figure out. Uh, what are the things you have figured out, Mr. Cranston? I'm afraid I can't tell you right now, but if they work, the missing money will be returned to the stockholders, and your name will be cleared, Mr. Harvey. <laughs> at the airport at this time of night, Lamont. I'd like to take a look around the hangar where Burkett kept his plane, Margot. Well, what can you learn there? I'm going to stake everything on a shot in the dark. There's no one in that hangar but the watchman. He doesn't know anything, or if he does, the police and the G-men didn't get it out of him. So how can you hope I'm to... going to ask him one question, Margot. How could a ghost airplane fly 200 miles and crash into the sea? Do you expect an answer from him? Not I, but the shadow does. Look. Look through those windows. Yes. There's the watchman. He's asleep. I won't wake him, Margot. It'll be easier for the hypnotic powers of the shadow to force his subconscious mind to answer the question. I'll wait out here, Lamont. In a few minutes, we'll know if Burkett really went to his death in the wrecked plane. You sleep soundly, Jeff Carson. Alone here in the empty hangar. That name troubles your sleep, doesn't it, Carson? No. No, Carson. You mustn't wake up and sleep. Let your subconscious mind hear me. I am Burkett. I am Burkett. You are remembering, recalling the things I paid you to forget. I paid you, didn't I, Carson? Yes. You paid me. Thousand dollars. Why? Why did I pay you? Mm, so I couldn't tell about the extra fuel tank. Yes, yes. Keep remembering, Carson. The automatic pilot. Sleep, sleep, Carson. Yeah. Dream on. I won't tell anybody. I won't tell anybody about those long flights you took, Mr. Burkett. And... Where did I go on those trips, Carson? Well, hmm. Remember now. Hmm. Black Rock. Black Rock. No, no, I won't tell. Why did I install an automatic pilot, Carson? Why? 
fly. Black rock. Thousand miles and land. And then Ward. Ward was to take the ship up and set the automatic pilot and bail out. So that's it. A ghost plane flown by a robot pilot cruising seaward until his gas ran out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is Black Rock, Carson? Where is Black Rock? Black Rock. Black Rock is 25 miles off the coast. Wait. Wait. What am I saying? <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? Don't move! Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Yes, Margot. I hope we reach it before it gets too dark to land the plane. You've come a long way since we left New York this morning. It's exactly 1,000 miles to Black Rock. And how far off the coast of Labrador? About 25 miles. Burke has certainly picked a secluded spot. Just a dot of an island on this map. Margot, hand me the glasses. I think I see land. Where, Lamont? Straight ahead. Yes, that's it, Margot. A lobe-shaped Black Rock. There's supposed to be a small cove to the landward side. How can this seaplane land with all this ice in the water? Now, I've got to hope for enough open water, Margot. But Lamont, if Burkett and his gang are on Black Rock, they'll hear the plane. Can't be helped. If it's possible to land, I'm going ashore tonight. You want me to stay in the plane? Yes. You'd better keep this rifle, in case they try to board the plane while I'm ashore. Rock gets larger as we get nearer. How will you find them? They may hide until we go. The shadow will find them, Margot. There can't be many places to hide. I don't see a sign of life, not even a hut or a tent. According to explorers' reports, there are several large sea caves. They may be using one of those. There's the inlet on the landward side, Lamont. It's easily free of ice. Yes, I see it. Hold on, Margot. I'm going to try to land in that open water. Heaven help us if we hit any pack ice. Get out the life preservers, just in case. Not after the way he starved us. 
Kick us around like dogs. All right, all right. We'll get the plane. Then we'll take care of Bikert. All right. Here's the coat. Look. I told you we'd find it, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Well, what are we waiting for? Come on, let's pull out to that plane. <laughs> oh, we got to get the... Shut up, Martin. Listen. I heard something like somebody laughing. Laughing at us. Ah, uh, you're crazy. It's the wind. <laughs> oh. You hear that? Somebody's close to us, watching us. Get down. Maybe break it. Hide. I heard it, too. Put out the lantern, quick. It's no use. I'm not Burkett. You cannot hide from me in the darkness. Some guy from that plane. All right, come on into the light and be quick about it, fella. Cover him with your gun, Martin. I can't see him. I'm standing in the light, close to you. But you cannot see me. What do you want? I've come for you. It's the cops, Ward. It's the cops they found. No, it's not the police, Mr. Martin. <laughs> then, then who are you? You've been in prison, both of you. Haven't you ever heard of the shadow? Shadow? I nobody's ever seen. Not, not the shadow. Not on this forsaken rock. The end of the world is not far enough to hide you from me. What? That voice. I've heard Khans talk about it. It's him. He's here. There's been a slip. He's come for us. Yeah. All right. Getting this is another thing. Now, don't come near me, Shadow. I'll drill you, even if I can't see you. I'll take you when the time comes. But first, I mean to get Burkett and the $2 million he stole and clear the name of Frank Harvey. Well, you can have Burkett, but you'll never get that $2 million, Shadow. Not one of you will escape. How'd you find us? That watchman squealed, didn't he? I warned Burkett. Come on, Ward. We gotta find Burkett. He'll know what to do. Yes, go to Burkett. Warn him the Shadow is here. Tell him you'll never leave Black Rock alive. Never live to spend the fruits of your crime. <laughs> <laughs> What is the matter with you, Martin? Where have you been? Been around at the cove, watching that plane. Do you know who was in it? Yes, yes, of course I know. Just a girl. And she won't give us any trouble. I've seen to that. A girl? And he didn't come alone. Well, what you fools are talking about, who didn't come alone? The shadow. The shadow is on Black Rock. The shadow? Why, you're crazy. No. No, he's here. He said we'd never leave the island alive. Oh, how did the shadow know that we didn't perish for the plane? The watchman at the airport must have squealed. <laughs> so the shadow trailed us a thousand miles to this forsaken hideaway and played right into our hands. <laughs> What's so funny? What do you mean? Look over there. See who's gagged and tied to that cut. What? Look, he's got the girl. How did you do it? How did you get her out of the plane? I went out in the boat and I... Merely gave her the choice of coming ashore or having the plane's pontoons riddled with bullets. But the shadow was on the rock here, looking yeah. for us. Well, let him find us. We'll give him the choice of giving himself up or seeing his girlfriend put in one of the lower sea caves until the tide comes in. That'd be murder. Oh, that shouldn't bother you. You and Ward have been watching for a chance to murder me ever since we came to Black Rock. You know why, don't you? Because you've been starving us to death. For your own good, you fool. We've got seven months of winter ahead of us. If the food gives out before we can leave here next summer, we'll die by slow starvation. 
me the hiding place of the $2 million burkett. They shot him. He's here, in the sea cave. He followed us. Well, I'm glad you're here, Shadow. Well, we can settle this. I'll make a bargain with you. The Shadow doesn't bargain with criminals, Burkett. I've got the girl who came with you. There she is. Look at her. I'll give you two minutes to come out of the shadows and give yourself up. Give myself up to be murdered? Drowned in the lower sea caves? Oh, no, Burkett. You have no choice. We'll drown the girl. Burkett, listen to me. Would you have the murder of an innocent girl on your conscience in your last days and hours when you are slowly starving to death on this barren island? You can't scare us, Shadow. We've plenty of food. <laughs> you had plenty of food, Burkett. But look at it now. Look at the chests of food you have so carefully hoarded. Look at them. Burkett. Look. Yeah. The locks are smashed. The chests have been opened. What? Burkett. Look. The flour. The dried meat. It's soaked. Soaked with our kerosene. Look. This chest is the same. We can't eat it. But what about the canned stuff? The canned stuff. He couldn't spoil that. Get away from those cases, Martin. No, you don't. You're not going to keep what's left for yourself. I'm taking the rest of this food and I'm going to the mainland now. Put down that case, Martin. Put it down, I tell you. You ain't going to stop me to death, you crooked rat. All right, Martin. You won't stop to death. No, you won't stop. Push it. You didn't even give him a chance. You shot him in cold blood. You'll do the same to me if I let you. Don't be a fool, Ward. Put down that gun. Uh, now, listen, there's enough food for us, and I need you. If I couldn't stay here alone, I'd go crazy. There's only food enough for one man, Burkett. And I'm going to be that man. No, you don't, Ward. Yeah, you... you wing me. Wing me, you devil. Go on, finish your job. Finish me. Better than starving to death. I had enough for that. Ward. Ward. I only meant to scare you. Shadow. Hurry, Marco, hurry. Draw his hands behind his back. Tight. 
Shadow. Shadow, don't. Don't leave me here to die. I'll give up the money. I'll go back and stand trial. Yes, Burkett, you'll give up the money that was never yours. You'll go back and stand trial, both you and Ward. I've wrecked your boats. You can't escape. And tomorrow, a Coast Guard cutter of the North Atlantic Ice Patrol will pick you up. They'll take you back to pay for your crimes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Aldridge Family, followed by The Lives of Harry Lime. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.